Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Hey, do you want to get your hands on some Hey Bartender Podcast merchandise? Head on over to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com and you'll find all sorts of really cool Hey Bartender t-shirts, Bartender Pride shirts, and a couple other groovy things. Just remember to head over to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com and get your stuff today. There's also other cool stuff there, like drink recipes, my personal blog. Head over there now. Not right now. The show's starting. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. You come into my bar, you say, hey, dude, get me a drink, and I'll probably look at you and go, which one? There are millions. And so that's where we should probably start today. Today's drink special. It's got two different names. One is, uh, let's see what it's called, Highly Dangerous Motherfucker, or if you're more into the other stuff, you can call it Harley Davidson Oil. And this bastard here says it is the hottest shot. What you do is you put together one-third shot Jack Daniels, one-third shot of Southern Comfort, and one-third shot of Jägermeister. I don't know if you ask me. That'll probably put you on your ass after one or two. Jeez. Uh, But, uh, hey, like usual, if you guys go out there and give these shots a try, I want you to contact me. Tell me what you thought of these drinks, because... Most of them, I don't know. There are millions upon millions of drinks out there, and I just don't have the time, liver, or the attention span to get out there and try every single one of these before I tell you about them. My job is to tell you about them. Your job is to drink them. So after you give this Harley Davidson oil drink a shot, why don't you uh, drop me a line at heybartenderpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of it. And if there was any really funny stories that goes along with it after doing one too many of those shots... I'd love to hear that, too. So it's probably some of our listeners. So anyway, let's get to the show here. This week, I am featuring a very good old friend of mine that we, she and I used to work at Boston's Pub and Grill in Wilsonville, Oregon together. We spent a lot of times in the trenches and serving all sorts of people out in Wilsonville. And her name is Shannon Casey. Shannon Casey, thank you for giving me a little bit of time of your day to be on the show. What little I have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we're all busy from time to time. So, Shannon, would like all my guests, I'd like to start somewhere in the beginning. Can you tell me when you started up in the service industry in general as a server or a bartender? Uh, 1982. 82? Are we allowed to say the bar? Is it still around? Well, no, it wasn't a bar. It was a restaurant. I was 17 years old, and that's when I started waiting tables. And what was that like? Because uh, uh, a lot of my listeners I've noticed are, uh, according to the demographics I've been reading, are somewhere between the ages of 20 and 30, which has you and I beat. 
but uh, you know, serving back in the eighties, uh, was it incredibly different? Uh, did it change a lot over the years? Oh God, yes. Because you, how long did you? How long were you a server? Oh God, I started serving tables in eighty two. When I was seventeen, I started attending bar when I was twenty two. So that was eighty seven. That's when I started attending bar. Right. Many different places uh, bouncing from oh, God, yeah, like yeah, everybody. Portland, um, Bellingham, Washington, a college town. That's where I got into it when I was at university. That's where I started bartending. Uh, near a university town. Now that has to be. I was well. That's I was in school at, at Bellingham in Western Washington University in Bellingham, and um, I had an allowance from my parents because fortunately I was, you know, my schooling was paid for, but of course my allowance ran out because I was 22 and partying all the time at school. Sure. And so I took a job as a bartender, and made money hand over fist. And uh, I got hooked. Now, bartending back in the mid to late 80s, I had a conversation with Shannon Moore in a previous podcast. She said the whole customer service basis compared from then to now is a completely different dynamic. For example, people would show up for happy hour, dressed to the nines, things like that. Do you agree with that? Um, it depended on where you worked. You know, and happy hours back then were a lot different than they are now. Happy hours back in, when I started attending bar in the 80s, uh, the establishment had a steam tray of hors d'oeuvres that were free. Like in a Chinese joint, it would be like spare ribs and fried shrimp and barbecue pork, and that was free. Mm. And of course, your well drinks were, you know, a, a buck fifty. You know, so that was the happy hour. People, they didn't, higher-end places, yeah, of course you'd have to be, you know, not dressed up, but they were for uh, white-collar people, executives. So, yes, of course you'd have to be, you know, looking decent for some of the establishments that had the happy hour. Um, But some of the working-class places, no, you didn't need to be dressed to the nines. But, you know, happy hours, everything was different back then. You still had your cliques and places that you would go, higher class or working class. So that's like a comparison between people showing up at happy hour at a hotel to like where you you and I used to work at Boston's. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. uh, Boston's, we didn't really have free hors d'oeuvres, but we did have cheaper drinks, right? Yes, yes, yes. That changed a lot. Um, Happy hour hors d'oeuvres used to be free. And now they're, you know, at a discounted rate. Yeah, you got your happy hour menus and such. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, Which uh, are still a pretty decent deal, but... Sure. And, you know, who can say no to some things like uh, spinach spinach dip and things like that? <laughs> well, I can, but, you know, because <laughs> I know where it comes from, and it's like, ugh. Okay. Yeah, well, we have uh, civilians that listen to this podcast. Let's not tell them too many of the restaurant secrets. <laughs> yeah, well, they can always Google it, you know. <laughs> so your version of customer service, I mean, I'm sure it had to change a lot over the years. Who do you Did you have somebody that you considered kind of like a mentor when it came to customer service, or uh, did you just kind of pick it up on your own? 
um, are, are you talking about customer service as to what's right and how you should deal with customers? Uh, how you should treat a customer, yeah. Okay, well, if you don't know how to treat a customer, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. Hmm. You know, you treat them as you'd like to be treated if you were the customer. You know, you want to make them feel at home, mm-hmm. you know, and welcome. And especially if they're the odd duck, those are the ones you need to focus on. Odd duck being like what? Somebody like you would have been, you know, mm-hmm. quiet, shy, keeping to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's customer service. That's making people feel um, welcome. Make them feel like friends or family type of thing? Yeah, 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 exactly. Did you pick that up on your own? or? I think it's, in some people, it's just within them mm-hmm. that that's what they're, they, they're drawn to it. Now, like I said, there's some people who are in the industry that just should not be. You want good people in your firm. You know what I mean? Right. You want the, yeah, it's like... And not everybody graduates at the top of the class, so not everybody has the same skills. Well, uh, the, during the time uh, for my listeners out there, you and I worked at Boston's uh, Pub and Grill together for, what was it, four or five years or something like that? Yeah, and, yeah, about that. Uh, and you, by far, were, uh, were the most professional of all my servers that I worked with. And every once in a while, Brad, uh, our former boss, he would throw somebody in on our shift that would drive me absolutely batshit insane because she was just an awful, awful server. And uh, I'm just sitting there going, can I please get rid of this girl? And couldn't really do anything about it. When, you work in, when you're working with new servers, do you try to take them under your wing the best you can? Or when they're obviously like drowning? That's what I'm getting at. For me, um, talking about working at Boston's, uh, with Brad, um, I'm actually I know co- what you're talking about. I'm kind of actually kind of wondering, wondering whether we should actually say Boston's or Brad right now. So well, take your time nobody, so There's no last names yeah. attached. Um, anyway, um, I, I got thrown a lot of newbies, and I always remembered how it felt to be the newbie, and it sucked because you felt like an idiot. You didn't know anything, et cetera, et cetera. And I just try to, I, I wouldn't take them under my wing, but it'd be like, okay, this is what you need to do. And you just, you have to be, um, for me, it was like, let's just show them how it's done. And then I just kind of sit back and observe. And if they were just worthless, it was like, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, uh, okay, enough of this. But if I could just see they were struggling because they were nervous or, you know, you can tell if somebody has it or they don't. Mm. And if they don't, you know, natural selection, they'll be gone, you know, within two weeks. But all of a sudden. But the ones that, you know, the ones that do have potential, yeah, you you do want to be nice and and help them. Sure. It always seemed like to me at Boston's, though, if they didn't become part of our clique, well, I think that's the best way to de- describe it is uh, because yeah. Well, yeah, all of, of us got along almost like family. And well, no, I didn't at first. When I first started at Boston's, are you kidding me? Uh, I uh, I think I kind of got graduated in just because I knew all of you guys because uh, you'd visit me at uh, the other bar every now and then. And I came in green. I didn't know anyone. Yeah, 
I that, didn't know when there. That and I Edmund was older. Tougher. Yeah. And I was, but I knew my shit, yeah. you know, I knew my job and oh my God, are you kidding me? Oh, the bartenders at the time, they tried everything they could do. Oh, really? To get rid of me. Yeah. Because I knew my shit mm-hmm. and they didn't like it. But when it came to like, uh, the, the immediate group, when I, uh, when I started working there, everybody was pretty much family and we all looked after each other pretty well. And well, yeah, but, but you were talking about newbies and whatnot and yeah. do you take them under their wing? Well, that's why I say that every time somebody starts a new job, I know what it feels like because it wasn't like that for me in Boston's at first. It was not, it took about four months before I got into that click. Well, I, I, the only problem I had when I first started at Boston's was, uh, uh, I don't remember his name, but, uh, there was another guy bartender, uh, or worked, uh, he wasn't a bartender, but he was a server and he didn't like the idea that I just got hired and just automatically got behind the bar. He, he wanted the bartending position in the worst way, I guess. And yeah, I think I do remember the hard time he was trying to give me when uh when i first got there but it really didn't matter all that much to me because i was friends with barb i was friends with you and uh everybody else uh pretty much knew who i was even the customers because i uh my previous job was just across the street basically well the thing is is uh if you feel if you're a new uh bart or new server trying to work your way into a bartending position um it can be very clicky Mm. And you just have to be tough. And if you've got the grit, you'll make it. So you know, the- if you prove that you're like better than they are, and you can take their shit, then you earn their respect. Well, uh, servers that you and I worked with, uh, one that pops into mind right away was Jennifer. She uh, jumped into our crew like it was nothing. You know? Absolutely. And you know, she just she's, automatic- a hard, she's a hard worker and hard working she- woman. And really friendly with everybody and mm-hmm. never felt the greatest smile in the world. Yeah, exactly. She actually surprised me. Now, uh, this is a uh, story that I've told uh, people on the podcast. But remember when Marty on taco night, he would order one damn taco at a time. And mm-hmm. he'd just say, I'm only going to have one. And then make you run back and forth for the rest of the night, getting him more and more tacos. Jennifer actually told me that she said she got she had enough of that, and she just said he he's getting two whether he asked for it or not. And I was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marty was yeah. But you know what? I got to the point where you know I knew when Marty would come in for um for lunch, and I I knew which soup he liked, so I just get it, have it there on his place, you know, before he even showed up. You know, because then if I didn't, he'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And then I'd have to be like, Jesus Christ. So (laughs) a lot of times you get to know your customers and you just give them what they're ultimately going to want anyway. So uh, for the people that are uh, hopefully listening to this podcast and trying to learn a few things about uh, serving or bartending, uh, when it comes to customer service, knowing your customers and knowing what their order is possibly before they walk in the door, that's a good thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like with Marty, for example, having a uh, Windmere Hefeweizen with no fruit, ready to go, right mm-hmm. as he pulls in with his Harley, that uh, yep, uh, that's perfect, you know. Absolutely, you see him pull up, boom, you have it there for him. Yeah, and you know, not to mention all the other people that had 
uh, specific orders every time they came into Boston. It was like creatures yeah, of habit. Yeah, you're regulars. <laughs> yeah, regulars. Now, you and I, we got along great uh, when it came to working as a team behind the bar. But the only time that uh, I was always, I've always wondered just because I'm paranoid and I think about things like this, I've ever pissed you off because I've mentioned in podcasts before, I never let anybody behind my bar. But since you knew the customers, you were more friends with the customers more than I was, you'd end up behind the bar and sit and talk with them every now and then. And uh, did it, did I ever snap at you or anything like that for, uh, you know, you know, please get out from behind the bar. I'm trying to work here. I think you might have once or twice, and I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Really, young man? No. So the force wasn't strong with me. All right. (laughs) Well, no, but other servers, I'm sure, would have been like, oh, okay. And that it's different with different servers. Mm. You know, it's different with different people that you work with. Uh, Now, my tills are different, but Boston's was a different place, you know, yeah. There was never any discrepancy in, in cash flow or, you know, drops or anything like that. So it wasn't like, you know, this is my till, don't touch it. Yeah. Well, that you know, was, we all trusted each other. That was the pre point of sale system that showed up way later. Now, if I had worked at Paradise, I wouldn't have let anyone behind my bar mm. or near my till. Oh, with Paradise, the, uh, the till was run by passwords. So you can run um, multiple people on the same till, but they uh, had to enter in their personal password first. Regardless. Yeah. You know, if somebody learns your password by, you know, for some reason, yeah, no. It depends on where you work. Mm-hmm. When do you let somebody behind your bar? Yeah. The, uh, Customers behind my bar, never. Well, that's... Unless it was a keg change, you know. That's a completely I different. I myself physically. The uh, Customers behind the bar is a completely different story. I've actually heard from... Old-timey bartenders, I mean, way, way back, they said, technically, behind the bar, that is private property, and you can kill them if you want. And I'm like, good to know. But <laughs> Yeah, well, that's old-timeys. That shit doesn't happen now. <laughs> no, no, people look down on that nowadays. You think so. <laughs> <laughs> but at Boston's, it was uh, kind of a difficult thing just because we all kind of operated both as servers and bartenders, and we were, we all ran the floor at the same time, but we had our sections. and Multifunctional. Right. Do you like... Don't forget about table 14. Right. Let's not forget about that. Oh, T14. <laughs> so, um, Something you should address as well. Uh, please, uh, please elaborate for the listeners. T14 is always the off table that is actually not on the floor. Ah, uh, yes. And that bar, yeah. <laughs> so I was one table off. T14 was uh, actually where the uh, where the servers and bartenders went to go chill out, let's say. <laughs> no, they'd go and take shots. <laughs> Be honest. Yeah. You want honesty. That's what a T14 is. Right. So... Um, when you go into uh, when you go into restaurants nowadays, are you judgmental of any of the servers, or do you are you always usually pretty sympathetic if they're having a bad night or things like that? Well, you know, it's really hard to tell if a server's having a bad night anymore because there's so many people on the floor. You don't know who's your actual server. Mm. It's like you have somebody who greets you, somebody you know who comes and gets your drink order, somebody who comes and sees you, and. Uh, can I get you an hors d'oeuvre? Or if not, there's a little computer on the table. And it's like, really? No. 
But if it's a, a privately owned place and a gal's slammed or a guy's slammed, of course I do. I can see it. And it's like, wow, they're slammed. Mm. Give them a little bit, you know, a little bit of leeway there. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen, I've only been into a couple restaurants nowadays that have the smart pads on the table. What do you think? Uh, what do you think of that? Is that going to take away from the whole service industry experience? I don't think people like it. I don't. It'll when take- you go out to eat, you want to interact with people. Mm-hmm. You don't want a computer to order your shit. If you want that, you could stay at home and order Domino's on your PC. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then answer trivia while you're sitting there. Yeah. Appetizers to show up. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even have to tip. Yeah. What's the point of tipping if you're uh, not dealing with an actual person running their ass off anymore? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I talked about tipping a little bit ago. Now, uh, you go back uh, during the Reagan era where President Reagan all of a sudden jumped up and changed everything and said, all right, now tax these people because they're making money that the government's not aware of. Did that hurt anybody? Did that piss anybody off? Um, not really, because you can lie about cash tips. You don't have to declare t- cash tips. We all do. Yeah, we so, all do. But I didn't. I only declared my uh, uh, I declared like three percent of my cash tips. I I stuck to just my uh, credit card tips, and then I would do my credit card tips. Mm. You know, of course, you have to. But back in the eighties, they didn't have the system that they have now. Mm. So you would just have to do it by paper. You know, put in what you earned, and you know your cash tip that little box that they have for cash tips, et cetera. So it was really easy. Then when things changed and they started deducting it out of your paycheck and you had to declare it, I always used to claim zero for dependents. And then I claim my visa tips and 3% of my cash tips. So, you know, I kept most of the cash, but that can come back and bite you in the ass. Oh, I've seen in it. In the long run. Yeah, I've seen it happen to one or two bartenders in my life where they said the IRS all of a sudden jumped up and uh, said audit time and uh, let's see how much how much in tips did you make and most bartenders and servers don't have a record of that and well a smart bartender doesn't deposit their cash into their bank account mm-hmm. that's the only reason why it would trigger a flag for the IRS sure but don't do that seriously <laughs> declare <laughs> your tips because if anything ever bad happens to a person and they have to go on Social Security or something, they're going to base it on what you made. So, Well, let's just get quick, uh, get it quick to... Uh, what about barfing? Barfing? You ever brought up, you know, how bartenders deal with customers that puke? I've never really talked about uh, customers getting sick. I might have mentioned one night... Uh, I was working in the bar and all of a sudden I see this guy come out of the bathroom and the bathroom has just been basically plastered because uh, he got sick. And I just looked at him, handed him a mop, a mop and said, clean it up. And he just took the mop from me and said, OK. <laughs> but uh, so you, you handed a drunk dude a mop. Yeah, he actually he probably did a, just mopped it all over the walls and everything. He actually did a pretty good job. I checked on it after he left. But <laughs> but if you've got a good Gross. story. <laughs> uh, I have a few, but uh, don't have time to go into them. <laughs> well, that's kind of the point of this whole podcast is because uh, 
Um, remember when we were working together, we'd sit there and postulate constantly. You know, bart- every bartender has a good story, and, you know, the, they would make an awesome book. And that's kind of why I put this podcast together is just to get bartenders and servers to come on and tell their favorite stories or success stories or uh, even worse, tell about their worst nights just because uh, it's stuff that a lot of people don't really know about. It's kind of like the behind the scenes features on a movie DVD. Kind of. Yeah. You know, cause you know, and also try to wake up some of the customers uh, and kind of make them sit back and say, is the ranch that the extra ranch I need that important to really drill onto this person? Well, you know, when you get into the business, that's it comes to territory. Sure. Now, you know, when you just smile, but sometimes when you have an asshole customer, ooh. Well, sure, there's customers all the time who uh, you've pretty much lost before you even walked up to the table. There, There's nothing you can do. No. Well, yeah, usually, sometimes. But you do, like, like you and I talked about just a few minutes ago, we do try to win these people over not kill them with niceness if they're just going to be a complete jerk to us, but at least stay friendly as best we can before we you know, want to cut their head off. Absolutely. There are those customers that are kind of dickish, um, but you can tell that they're really not. Mm. But you've got to work a little bit harder on those ones. And then you get somebody like uh, Wes, uh, who's a total prick. Mm. And yeah, you just meh. You do the least amount of work for those people. Right. We don't go the extra mile for them, but Hell no. we make sure that they're still semi-satisfied. But Adequately served. Right. We've, uh, we had our share of good, good customers and bad customers. I mean, uh, what was – oh, crap. I just uh, blanked on their first names, but uh, they she, – she stole soups from work for us all the time so, uh, so she could get free beer at Boston's, and her husband just kind of sat there. Tom and Glenda? Glenda, that's it. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You, they were a couple. Uh, well, I used to joke around uh, all the time thinking to myself that Tom would be sitting there drinking his beer and with every sip he's wishing for death. Because uh, that's... Yeah, pretty much. It, that's just the face he had. <laughs> but Yeah, well, she took him to the cleaners. I'd, I never heard anything about uh, what happened post... Well, are we talking about bartending or about gossip? Yeah, well, well, we don't need to get into the gossip, but so, yeah. but uh, we did have customers like that, and, and you know, me being an amateur drinker, uh, I did screw up their order from time to time. But they were semi reasonably nice to me about it. Whenever I'd uh, accidentally swap uh, their Coors Light and Bud Light, they kind of sat there at table thirteen, acting like they kind of owned the place. Where when you were uh, when you were serving these people because I just quickly gave them their drink and you know basically said leave me alone because uh, I, I don't want to deal with you two just here's your beer here's your beer were were you more friendly with them or to keep them around or was it more just one of those adequate type of deals? Um, no, well, Tom and, and uh, these particular customers. Uh, if you could read them correctly, they were just she was putting on airs, and uh, he was really not into it. Hmm. So, if you could read them immediately, that's like okay. And obviously, they were a fixture. So, it's your job as a server, bartender, to make them feel comfortable because you're going to get some money out of them Eventually. ultimately. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, it might take a while. But by the time I was done with them, they were leaving me like $10 tips. So. Yeah, I didn't. It's I didn't, all how you, it's I, all how you uh, work it. You have to know, you have to know people in order to be a good bartender. Yeah, I had uh, issues with that from time to time because I'd see you guys that were there a lot longer or just more often than I was making better friends with some of these people. And I really wasn't. And I think that just had to do with my attitude. I've told a lot of people uh, that when you become a bartender or server, you've, you're the entertainer, you're the uh, celebrity and uh, you got, uh, it's, Basically, you kind of have to put your attitude at check, and there were days where my attitude was not at check, and I was kind of rude and arrogant to a lot of people. Come on, you agree with that, well, right? It's not that you can't do the job; it's that you're an introvert. Yeah, and uh, truth being, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is uh, to kind of get out of that whole introvert perspective, because um, I've you know, uh, kind of dug myself into a hole and, you know, now, now I'm trying to reach out and be more interesting, I think is a good word. You're very interesting. If you can talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, you are, but you are kind of a introvert. No, you are an introvert. So Mm. that's kind of a hard personality to integrate into a customer service bartending job. It if, is. That's a difficult thing to do. But if an introvert wanted to get started in the bartending industry, uh, probably a bar that needed a bar back would be, uh, would have been a better way of for a guy like me to I get started. It, I think you would have be, done better in fine dining. Hmm. Where fine dining, you have to be introverted. You have to be quiet and introverted. You know, and just do the job and not say anything and just do the job. And those bartenders that get hired in fine dining establishments, they make so much money. Hmm. And it's generally men that get hired, not women. Now, that's another thing that uh, I'm going to bring up is, uh, do you, uh, did you ever feel like, because uh, it was talked about when I was uh, in Bartending Academy that when people see like male bartenders, they either think that they're thieves or they're gay. But when uh, some people see female bartenders, they automatically think that they're easy or uh, they're out to get their husband. Did that happen to you a lot where all of a sudden the woman becomes overprotective about their boyfriend or husband or something like that when you were around? No. You were really good about uh, becoming friends with uh, the female before. Well, I'm just establishing boundaries. Mm. And, of course, I was a big flirt because um, mm. that's my personality. But I'm a flirt with girls, too. Mm. So you're not like, ooh, I'd love to kiss your lips. But like, oh, my God, I love your hair. Oh, my God. You know, oh, your shoes are awesome. Oh, my God, your husband's so cute. Oh, my God, did you get? Did you dress him? <laughs> oh, my God. And then you look at the husband, and you're like, oh, my God, you are so cute. You know, you it's really easy to do if you know how to do it. And that establishes, I think, that she's awesome. And, oh, my God, look at your husband. He is so cute. Oh, my God, can you give me a kiss on the cheek? Oh, thank you. And that gets rid of any jealousy. Now, that's one thing. Right then then and there. Now, that's one thing that I tried to bring up in a previous podcast is uh, flirting as a means to make money. I posted on uh, Facebook 
do you think that flirting is necessary when it came to working in the service industry? What some people say, absolutely not. It's ridiculous. Don't ever do it. Some people say, well, to a point, and one girl was just like, hell yeah, that's how I make my tips. And what's your opinion? Okay, well, one thing, once again, it depends on where you work. Mm-hmm. It would not be appropriate in a family restaurant for a server to be flirting, if a female server, to be flirting with the man at the table. Inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a bar situation, um, if you're just doing it to make money, then you're being an asshole. Um, if it's just in your personality like it is in mine, it just comes naturally, but it's lighthearted and it's not intended to do anything except just be who I am. Right. Um, yeah, and it can make me more money. And hell yeah, I have worked men before. Mm. Hell yes, I have. And I've worked women too, but it's part of the business. Well, one girl before I started officially bartending, she was uh, she was telling me that flirting – behind the bar is a very good thing because one, it makes you more money. And, uh, she, I think she was mostly trying to make my, my girlfriend at the time feel better about it by saying, and it gets you a little Randy before you go home that night. So, uh, have fun with that. She look at my girlfriend and say, have fun. Uh, she, well, I think that was kind of tacky, but well, I think she was just trying to help me out, but try not to get me in trouble at the same time. <laughs> oh, could be. Yeah. Could be. There, there has to be a boundary somewhere in there because I did that podcast. Well, yeah, on and if flirting. you don't, if you don't know the, if you don't know the boundary, then you should not be flirting. Right. Okay. Like the servers. Well, there's, there's just too many things in this world that confuse the daylights out of me. Just because uh, being introverted and all that stuff is uh, where does the flirt boundary end? Because I've been accused of flirting with people and not even know it, and. I'm and usually they, you were flirting with her. And I, said, I was not. What? But uh, doing things like I don't know, sitting at the table with the customer while you take their order. Would you consider that flirting? Um, if you didn't have an established relationship with the customer, yeah, ah. uh, inappropriate. Because I've been accused of uh, doing that from time. Just be, you know, I'd see like a five top, and it's a family, and then I just walk over, plop myself down in the chair, and say, "Hi, how you doing?" You know, uh, ready to take your order, and uh, no, nobody accused me of flirting there because there was it was a huge family. But I was well, just I think being goofy. Okay. The boundaries, like uh, I was at a restaurant out here, and I found that the waitress that was waiting on me was I somebody I'd never met before, and she was touchy feely, and that was probably inappropriate, right? People well, are really friendly down there. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a touchy-feely person, but I'm certainly not going to go rub my hands <laughs> over somebody, a customer I've never met before. No. Yeah, I kind of, uh, just me being who I am, I, she, when she started putting her hand on my shoulder, and I, I was like, hi. Uh, and then, of course, that made me nervous and uncomfortable. You know, that uh, that could be, you know, that you think that would have been fine for somebody else, but since she had no idea who I was or my type of no, personality, just no, just forget no. it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Absolutely no. Well, um, so in your time of working in the service industry, both bartender and server, 
we have a short time available right now. Do you have a favorite moment or story that you have that uh, you wouldn't mind sharing with all my listeners? Oh, um, regarding Tenny Bar? Or anything, um, just one of your favorite nights or days or whatever. Oh, God, could it be the day that I got like $380 worth of tips and a four-hour shift off one customer gambling? That was an awesome shift. That <laughs> the Shifts like that are definitely awesome, yes. Yeah, a daytime shift. Yeah, four-hour shift. They hit real flush on the machine a lot, or oh, did massive. And <laughs> I walked out with God that day. I walked three hundred eighty and fifty is what? Uh, four thirty. Yeah, a Tuesday shift for, for four hours on a Tuesday shift. That's incredible. Yeah, well, he was hitting big. Yeah. He was a regular gambler. Now, out uh, of all your customers, though, did, is there any customers that you think about still, you know, that... you Bob may, Lyons. Really? You know, Bob Lyons? The senator. Yeah. Uh, he has his, his own seat dedicated to him uh, Absolutely. at Boston's. Always really friendly mm-hmm. guy. Uh, do you have any good uh, personal stories that you dedicate to him? When Jennifer Fitch, we talked about her earlier, mm-hmm. um, talking about the name plaques, where his name is the senator, um, when her son got sick with leukemia, Bob started the fundraiser and raised, he sold name plaques for people, you know, five bucks a plaque. And they got their names engraved on them, and they're all up on the bar in Boston still to this day. Mm. And he raised, like, something over $1,500 for Jennifer's son. Wow. One of our best customers. Loved him. I loved Bob. Yeah, he was. Loved him. He was a grouchy old fucker. I swear to God, he was. Yeah, he was always always really friendly, uh, friendly to me too. Uh, but I think he understood that there were boundaries of what things he could talk about and what things would make me lose interest immediately. But because even my uh, podcast customers know, I know nothing about sports, and uh, so he knew better than to try yeah. to talk and talk about yeah. that sort of thing with me. <laughs> yeah, because. He was the head coach, uh, football coach at Marion High School for years and years. Yeah, and yeah he was quite the athlete. So, yeah, it, Bob Lyons. Yeah, I loved him a lot. He was a good man. But um, Bob, yeah, he uh, he knew. Uh, I'm sure there were times where he wanted to talk about sports with me, but uh, I, when I know absolutely nothing, I mean, I could tear I could tear your ear off uh, easily by talking about the Beatles. But when it came to talking about sports statistics or things, anything of that um, nature, that was kind of a, I was kind of at a loss. <laughs> yeah, he was grouchy, and he didn't like me for like about three years because I wouldn't put up with the shit. You know, mm. I tell him to go fuck himself, and you know, if you don't like it, then leave, and he'd leave, and he'd come back the next day, and. Yeah, you know, for that went on for about three years, and then we became really, 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 really good friends. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's a great story that uh, of him raising money to help Jennifer out. That uh, truth being told, I don't think I ever knew that because that happened after I left. Yep. You know, cheers to him out there, wherever he may yep, be. Absolutely. Well, he passed away. Yeah. So. Uh, I saw that. Uh, I saw the plaque shortly after um, at his usual spot shortly after um at, shortly after he died and mm-hmm, yeah. it was 
blindingly obvious what had happened, so I really didn't have to ask anybody about it. Yep. So. And, well, one more quick question. Did you, well, that's kind of tough. Now, uh, because all of us at Boston's, we were uh, kind of a family, and I was going to kind of uh, get you to talk about uh, your favorite person to work for, but when you gel as well together as a group, that kind of makes it feel like home for the servers, right? You agree with that? Yeah, well, of course. And we really didn't work for anyone. We worked for the common good. I don't know. It, that particular place did feel like family. Um, it, it, we didn't have, well, you know, uh, especially when Jarbo um, took over, mm. you know, he just let us he knew that we were a well-oiled machine and he just let us work, you know, he didn't interfere and it was awesome. So yes, when you get a great crew that works well together, it's, it's awesome. And we were always quick to help each other out. I mean, when Michelle was uh, going through her unfortunate family accident, we were all there for, and mm-hmm. uh, when, ever any any of us needed help we all uh, were we all jumped at the chance to help out that was just one of the really cool things about working for boston's because we were all pretty much family yeah kind of definitely and that's a that's a really tough thing to to make in a professional situation like that uh, we didn't really have any grudges against each other we sure we'd make well, fun no, of each other no but it other, wasn't but... always freaking paradise either man you know it wasn't yeah. always perfect you know i mean don't make it sound like it was heaven because yeah. it always wasn't yeah well every, we, everybody has good days and bad days yeah yeah thank you guys for listening to hey bartender podcast and the interview with shannon casey we'll finish up the interview in just a few minutes but i want to take a minute to remind you guys to head on over to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com and pick up some hey bartender podcast swag and some others cool stuff but we also got to take a pause here for our musical guest This show, I'm bringing back one of my favorite musical guests from their album, Love You to Life. Here is Laura Hope and the Arctones with their single, Dr. Bartender.
Once again, that was Laura Hope and the Arctones with their song, Dr. Bartender from the album, Love You to Life. If you want to check out more about Laura Hope and the Arctones, head on over to bandcamp.com and do a search on them. You can find out where they're playing next. You can find more music by them. You can even find their music on iTunes if you want to. Uh, Just go check them out. That's some really good music there. So anyway, let's finish up the interview with Shannon Casey. Thank you, Shannon, so much for being on the show. I'd love, uh, yeah, I, yeah, and if I hear myself, I'll be like, oh, my God, do I sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Especially sure. Especially being all plugged up with seasonal allergies. Oh, even I uh, sit back and wonder, do I really sound like that? But anyway. I know, right? But you sound like you to me, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, you've known me long enough, yeah. so... Yeah, especially sure. since the first Definitely. time we met, uh, your boots got ruined by a broken toilet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker wanted me to pay for his toilet. And I'm like, you pay for my freaking $850 boots, you freaking cheap bastard. Fuck you. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for being on my show. And uh, maybe hopefully one of these days get you back on and we'll talk, talk a little bit some more. Sure. Absolutely. No problem. Okay, people, it is last call. Thank you so much, Shannon Casey, for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you again. It's been a little while. Uh, thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for letting me use their single. Go check them out on iTunes uh, or on Bandcamp.com. And, you know, just everybody have a good uh, weekend. I hope you're having a good night whenever you happen to be listening to this show. I really appreciate all my listeners And, you know, tell your friends about it. Remember to comment, share, like, and subscribe. And as usual, I'd love to close out my show with quoting my hero, Billy Joel, by telling every single one of you lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anybody. Good night. I blew each and all my friends. Felt so good I had to blow.